Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode, episode seven. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, how's it going, man? Going great, man. Going great. Had a good time. Went down to uh, Corpus Christi this week, and so had a, had a good trip down there. A lot of activity, as we talked about on the show, uh, Josh, down there. A lot of stuff down there, and got to see some of it firsthand, and excited for what's coming up uh, maybe for us in the future. Wow. All right, man. Well, uh, like always, we are going to announce a few of the jobs we have posted at globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. I checked this morning. There were 21 jobs posted that were available. Uh, last week, we mentioned a job at R-Squared. Uh, Ryan, did you have any information on that you want to share with us? Yeah, uh, the guy that was going to give me the description, his father-in-law passed away, so I did not get a chance to get that and get all the details about exactly what we're going to look for to fill that spot. Um, I'm actually going back to Alabama office this week to talk to him, so hope to have that out maybe mid to late week this week. Okay, perfect, perfect. All right, well, again, if you want to check out the the jobs we have posted currently, Go to globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to either Ryan or myself. And, and Josh, uh, one, one quick reminder, those are updated every Monday morning at 10 a.m. So if you get on here today and you say, eh, nothing for me, Monday morning, 10 a.m., uh, they'll be updated. All right, come back and check it out. Okay. All right. Well, uh, guys, we got some a couple of articles we wanted to share with you today. Uh, jumping right in, we have the article with Rig Zone. Uh, it's Texas adds thousands of oil gas jobs in March. We had mentioned a few few statistics last week about the jobs that were uh, that were increasing month over month. Uh, this is kind of a, a snapshot of really specifically in Texas uh, some of these numbers. So uh, what we're what we're looking here is that in March, ninety two thousand five hundred jobs uh, is, is how many were actively in. Texas, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, and that is up from 3,400 jobs um, since February. So we've increased a little over 3,000 jobs in a single month in Texas. Uh, interesting stuff also, it, uh, there's some surveys done by the Dallas Fed Energy uh, that had some pretty interesting things that we're going to jump into in just a second. Um, overall, what do you think about the the, the growing industry in texas right now ron yeah you know josh one of the things i use to uh, it's a metric that's not really worth any, any uh, anything to anybody but me is linkedin i uh, i will watch and see uh how many people that are connected to me are looking for jobs and you know obviously these statistics are a much better indicator but i have seen less and less people looking for jobs post about jobs now the key is is that i know that there are a few people out there who are holding out for maybe the salary they had before or the title or the position. And so you got to be careful right now because as these job numbers continue to grow, there's going to be less and less opportunities for you. So for those of you who may be still holding on for uh, you know that right job, you may want to go ahead and strike while the iron's hot because it is a, you know people are hiring, companies are growing. So that would be my biggest takeaway from this article, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 3,000 jobs being added uh, between February and March, I mean, that is – that is that's good numbers. Uh, one last thing I want to point out before we move on, the uh, the barrels per day from the Permian increased 57,000 barrels. Um, 
equal for increase by 13,000 barrels. So production is definitely increasing at a pretty rapid pace. Uh, so uh, interesting stuff there. Like you said, Ryan, main thing is jobs are, are opening up. Opportunities are there. Uh, strike while iron's hot. It's, it's time. Uh, so encouraging statistics here. Moving on to the, the next article. This is U.S. Coast Refiners. Uh, Ryan, there's some pretty interesting things that I saw in the article. Overall, basically, there is people that are looking to export and actually take on ships, the oil from the Permian and the Eagleford to the East Coast. Uh, there's some challenges that this presents, but it, apparently there is definitely an opportunity that some people are trying to capitalize on. Yeah, you know, um, this kind of gets into you know a, a broader picture of the oil and gas industry in general because what you see in here is um, you know, the Balkan oil was being railed out for a long period of time. Not not all of it, but but portions of it. And that's because they, there was no pipe in the ground. And we talked about that. Um, I know me and you have talked about that, at least offline, um, when you see some of these articles talking about the overpricing of the Permian. Well, okay, yeah, the acreage is high, but, you know, there's not enough infrastructure in the Balkan um, to, to facilitate its needs. Um, and so what was happening is, these companies were having to rail it, which is not the cheapest way to do it. Now with the Dakota Access coming on, that's changing the game. So, mm-hmm. the, so the dynamics are shifting. And so now that oil is coming down to Texas. And so, and so no one will want to rail it over to the East Coast when they can just put it in the, the, you know, into the Dakota Access. So it's really going to shift the dynamics. Now, what was interesting, you know, takeaway from the article is, it's cheaper to buy the oil from Nigeria and to have it shipped up here than it is to buy it from Texas and to ship it around the bottom of the coast, you know, or go around <laughs> Florida. I, I was sitting there reading that, and, you know, that's part of the business I don't really deal with a lot, but I was just sitting there reading that going, that does, doesn't make a lot of sense. The other oh. thing to, to remember, though, is is that not all oil from all parts of the world is the same. There's different types of oil. You know, you got the sweet crudes and all this, and so the different refineries want to process it, um, certain types of oil and, and not so much others. And then you, you, you step back and you say, there's also the, the, the angle of bringing in buying and selling um so if if josh and i are buying and selling from each other constantly and there's no outside influence well the value of our money isn't really the same as if josh and i are selling to each other and we're selling to a lot of other people so when you bring in all these other um you know barrels of oil from different nations the international trade that's going on and how that ties into our economy and the world economy it makes a big difference and so it it is strategic to sit back and say okay we do want to buy from these countries for a, a variety of reasons so um but I think that one one thing I just want to remind folks on is that when when we're sitting back and we're looking at people talk about um, the the validity of a of a shell play, no matter where it's at, one of the things that gets lost in the discussion, and this is lightly touched on here, is how are you getting the product out of the ground and into the market, and that's the problem the Balkan has suffered from. And now with the Dakota Access, it seems like that's going to be going away or alleviated to some extent. And so um, a lot of the discussions when you hear maybe on you know the big name networks is well the Balkan, the Permian, and they kind of they kind of forget. Okay, well you got to have pipes. You know you can drill it, but you got to get pipeline, or it's not as economical. Um, to you know, derail it. So a lot of good takeaways from this article, I thought, and a lot of interesting stuff that I don't necessarily get into on, on a day-to-day basis, but enjoyed reading about. Yeah, Ryan, uh, just picking up on what you mentioned, uh, there's a on page three of this article, there's a little snippet here I'm going to read. It says, West Africa produces crude that is gasoline-rich 
which is really important for East Coast refiners. He said he doubts sending Jones Act tankers makes a lot of sense financially because the spread between global benchmark Brent and U.S. West Texas crude futures is not enough to justify the shift. Uh, and, and he's mentioned in there, you know, they're getting it from Nigeria. It's got the, the, the oil that he's getting there. It, looking at the financial benefits of just using the Dakota Access rather than shipping this stuff on these tankers, probably going to go away. Although at the very end of the article, he said that moving crude by water from the Gulf up the eastern seaboard, it's not unheard of that there, it, you know, it does take place. I think it says there were at least seven cargoes that went uh, in the in the last 10 months. So uh, it is happening, but I think with the, with the Dakota access and, and these pipelines, it's probably going to be phased out. Uh, it's financially, it doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, they're not going to ship it over to the East Coast anymore. And, and the article says that, this is kind of for perspective for the listeners, you know, the, the East Coast refineries are importing like 323 million barrels um, uh, import from foreign nations and, you know, 13 million from the Gulf Coast, so you know it's not like it's uh it's you know it's it's a huge percentage of what they're doing up there, but it could it, it they're gonna have to do something to replace what they're gonna lose uh, when the Dakota Access comes online. And, and this is the final point, Josh, is as oil and gas professionals, we need to remember that that this is a good thing that this pipeline is going on because it is safer than transporting this product by rail. And so, um, you know, this pipeline is the safest way to transport product, and so um, this is a good thing for the industry from a safety standpoint as well. Absolutely. Well, moving on to the next article. This is Oil and Gas 360. Title of the article is Everything Keeps Getting Bigger in Texas. No slowing Permian Basin growth spurt. Um, I hate to spend too much time uh, here because we, we go over it a lot, but there were a few interesting things that I at least wanted to point out. Number one is half of all the U.S. rigs in the whole country are located in the Permian. Um, we, we say that sometimes, but that is really mind-boggling that half of all the rigs in our entire country is found in the Permian. Uh, so it is, uh, the, the growth has been explosive, which everyone already knows. Uh, but I wanted to go back and, and kind of recap a few of the purchases that have been made this year. Um, we have WPX uh, was one of the first major deals in 2017. They purchased 120,000 net acres for $775 million. Um, and then you have Noble uh, purchased Clayton Williams Energy for $3.2 billion five days later, which was another 120,000 acres. And the same day, ExxonMobil purchased 250,000 acres for $6.6 billion. Uh, just some massive deals that have been, been being made. Uh, so we go over so many things that are happening, some small, some big, uh, relatively I uh, just wanted to kind of go back and, and recap some of the major deals that have been cut in the Permian um, in the first quarter uh, of the year. Um, anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me interject here, Josh. Two things. You know, one of the things I try to help uh, at least give my perspective on is, is from a business standpoint, how do I look at this stuff? And there's two ways I'm going to look at this article. Um, obviously, the you know we want to work in the Permian because there's a lot of work, a lot of money, but. There's also kind of a reality that everyone else is thinking, work in the Permian, work in the Permian, work in the Permian, and they're going to devote a lot of marketing dollars to Permian companies. So there might be unique opportunities in some of these plays that that have work that could fit your business needs that aren't getting hammered with you know the type of business development and marketing dollars that the Permian companies are. So you might want to reverse engineer this and sit back and go, okay, well, 
you know, interesting. Like we talked about last week, you know, Xcode just sold some assets, so there's an opportunity. And so, you know, obviously you want to try to work in the permian just because, you know, the, the price to drill there is so much cheaper. But um, there are half of the other rigs are all over the country. And so if you're if you're a company based in maybe Colorado or South Texas or, you know, you know the East, East Coast, wherever, you might not want to go all in on the Permian because everyone else is and kind of go backdoor and try to find some of these other plays that are going to be, you know, producing product for the rest of the year and you're, there's less competitors. So that's just, you know, a thought on how to look at some of this stuff because um, everyone's going Permian. Everyone I know is going Permian. I'm going Permian. But I am going to sit back and say, okay, there are other opportunities where the competition isn't as fierce and I can get in. And maybe that company will go Permian later on, and then I can kind of double dip off that. All right, Ryan, moving on to the final two articles. Uh, the first one is some breaking news. Noble Energy captures 171,000 Permian acres. Uh, this deal closed on April the 24th. Uh, 71,000 of those acres are highly contiguous and in the southern Delaware just looking over some of this stuff, man, all these acres that they've uh, that they've acquired make some pretty big players in the Permian. Uh, any Anything you wanted to add about the Clayton Williams energy and the Noble deal? Really, the only thing I'm going to say is is that you know at some week you uh, at some point you would think we'd quit talking about deals, but every week, man, big deals are happening. And so, no, not a lot. You've kind of hit it. And for those who are interested in the particulars, I would just say go to the article. We'll link to it in the show notes. And uh, there it is. And so, you know, kudos to Noble for pulling it off. And you know, the boys at Clayton Williams Energy are happy because you know they're going to be getting a big check in the mail. So, um, no, not a lot to comment. Just just more deals happening every week. It seems like Josh. Absolutely. Well, uh, going to the final article, uh, Lillis Energy announces trading on the NYSC market to commence May 9th, 2017. Uh, Lillis Energy, uh, they're based out of San Antonio. And a little bit of information uh, about them is they're an independent oil and gas exploration and production company that operates in the Permian's Delaware Basin. And they're considered amongst the leading resource plays in North America. Their total net acreage in the Permian is over 10,000 acres. Uh, and right now they are expected to be trading some some of their stocks on the NYSE market. Yeah, so they're getting ready to go. The, you know, they're leaving the NASDAQ, going to the New York Stock Exchange. And so, um, but here, here's the big takeaway, $140 million in financing. And so... Uh, kind of, it's kind of our weekly, Hey, go, go call these guys report. You know, <laughs> they're about to pick up 140 million. I don't remember when, when the close date was on this, if they picked it up or, or getting ready to pick it up. But, um, but yeah, a hundred, yeah, May 9th is when they start trading on the New York stock exchange. So, um, this will be, this will be here, you know, right around the corner. So again, this is our kind of our weekly, Hey, if you're looking for someone to go do work for, I'd be calling these guys at Littlest Energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's a great, you know, we, we saw one last week, and there's another one this week. If, if you're thinking about, if you're looking for any job opportunities, $140 million of financing, they're going to be hiring a lot of folks. So uh, and, and, we encourage you. And, you know, Josh, I mean, obviously we're, we're, we're being serious and we're being kind of tongue-in-cheek here saying call them. Call them if you want to. I mean, this may fit your, your demographic. But I think the, the reality is, is for our listeners – is that you know you know it's not like Josh and I have special access to what's going on. These are just news articles that are out there. And so, if you're in sales, you're in business development, or you're hunting for a job, um, you're trying to be opportunistic. This is all out there free on the internet. So try to think about like that. What do these deals mean? How does it play for me as a as a as a maybe a production company or a service company or a vendor or wherever you're at? Um, and so here it is. So again, we, you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek to call them up. Well. I, 
again, I would probably call them up because uh, there might be some opportunity there if they're getting ready to put $140 million back into the company. Absolutely. Well, Ron, that wraps us up for today, man. We've uh, we've covered five articles, and like always, we're going to go over the Baker Hughes rig count. And, and Josh, uh, real quick before you do that, so people might not might, might tune us off. Um, next week, you are on vacation. You get more vacation than anybody I know, but you are on vacation, <laughs> and so um, I recorded an interview with the Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton the other day, and it will be playing on my other podcast, the Global Energy Leaders Podcast. But we're also going to play it here for our Texas oil and gas listeners. So next Friday, it will just be me and my interview with Ryan Sitton, the Texas Railroad Commissioner. I think our listeners should appreciate that kind of uh, that kind of interview, Josh. As it, you know, it gets to our um, our core audience here. Uh, and I got to poke you a little bit. We had no Mexico news this week, so I thought we were going to change it to the Texas and Mexico podcast. But I guess I guess you're staying away from <laughs> well, that. I'll make sure we change that. Uh, not next Friday, but the one after. <laughs> I, Mexico. I, I did yeah. see an article on Texas. <laughs> I did see an article on Texas and Mexico, and I thought he's surely going to send me this, but you didn't. So I was, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to tell you where, where to find it at either. So no, no, don't tell me. I have to go look for it, man. Yeah, the Permian in Mexico. That's been kind of uh, my target, man. Well, that, that'll be a treat next week, Ryan. I'm, I'm actually while I'm on vacation, I'm going to tune in to that, man. I'm, I'm interested to hear that, that interview. Well, uh, jumping to the rig count, a Baker Hughes rig count. We're up 20 rigs for the week. Uh, not for the week. Yeah, for the week. Up 20 for the week. We're at 857 uh, in the in the U.S. In the Permian, we're at 340. In the Eagleford, uh, 78. The state of Texas has 426. So to break that down, 418 are in the Permian and Eagleford. The other eight are somewhere else. So uh, Permian and Eagleford are the major players in Texas. And uh Again, we, we're seeing those numbers rise every single week. Uh, rig counts continue to increase, so we expect production to increase. We just hope that uh, prices will get to a stable a stable spot where people can start making some long-term plays. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, special edition next week as we have on the Texas Railroad Commissioner. He had a lot of good insights, um, and so I think you're really going to enjoy that. Until next time, keep climbing. Thank <laughs> you.